Hey friend, welcome to The Problem with Perfect. We are a cross-generational conversation that focuses on creating a meaningful, imperfect life through the lens of our mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Each week, we will share our own experiences as recovering perfectionists or use our journalistic training to interview expert guests. We promise to be transparent and real in that each episode will leave you uplifted, encouraged, and believing you are enough. So pull up a chair and have a seat. There's always a place for you at our table. Welcome back to another episode of The Problem with Perfect. Hey, Robin. Rachel, how are you, girl? Wish I was with you. I know, but we did actually get to see each other yesterday in Kansas City, so that was really fun. <laughs> it was. Actually, it was like bittersweet because I remember how much I really just enjoy getting to hang out with you and to brainstorm with you and work with you. It's like, man, miss that. Well, I can't believe you forgot how amazing it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree well, though. There's something we're going to podcast. Yeah. There's something special about being together. There is exactly. And I, I'm glad you feel that way too. Well, Robin, I am pumped about our topic today because it's something that I know I really struggle with. I wonder if it's something that our listeners also struggle with because to me, perfectionism in this, uh, this topic go hand in hand and that is decision making. So first let's start things off by me asking you, uh -huh. are you really good at making decisions or do you tend to be indecisive? Like walk me through what that's like for you. I would say, you know, it's hard to answer that on one hand because I only know the way that I make decisions. And I think that that's very normal. Um, but I, can't say that it's normal. It's normal for me. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the way other people make decisions, I feel like sometimes I probably, I get the information. Uh, and when I want to make a decision, I get the information quickly. And typically I make a decision like, okay, yep. And I don't know, I follow my gut. Most That's of the time good. I just feel, feel like I, I, you know, and then that the trouble is, is like, then I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm trying to pray about this decision. And is this thing in my gut because it's my will or your will. So that's where making decisions gets, gets tricky for me, but I'm not the sort of person that, um, typically belabors things too much. Like I'm going to paint the walls. I paint the walls. And if I paint them and I don't like it, I'm like, ah, I'm going to redo it. Okay. Uh, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like you're very logical. You want to gather all the facts and once you feel like you have the facts then you feel confident in making a decision and sticking with it. Yep. Yep. But I got to ask you, I'm a little nervous. Is that the right answer? Uh, yeah, it is the right answer. There's not a correct answer or a wrong answer here, but making decisions is a complicated process. And what I loved about what you said is that it is, there are a lot of variables that can go into it. For me, Sometimes I'm very good at just making a decision and sticking to it. Other times I hem and haw, I can't decide. It's interesting because sometimes the hardest decisions for me are the smallest ones. Like, what do I want to eat? What am I going to wear? Sometimes those can be hard decisions. But there's another category of decisions that I want to talk about today. And that is the decision to change. So talking about behaviors and habits. So I'm not talking about painting your walls, although the, that is decisions that we all have to make sometimes. But when it comes to making a choice and perhaps even a New Year's resolution, mm 
and deciding to stick with it. Like, how are you when it comes to making a decision to change? Hmm. I have found the, the most, huh? That's a great question, Rachel. Because it's say. a different type of decision-making. It's a different it framing. Is. Yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out, and as you asked that, like when, are, when has the, when have those decisions to change been most effective? How, what was it about them that I stuck with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that I was really able to make a change. And I think about the night that I decided, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to start losing some weight. Mm-hmm. Like literally it was just like in that moment, in that night, I was like, I don't like myself. I don't like my body. I don't like who I am. And tomorrow I'm doing something different. Mm -hmm. And that was the, the year that started my, the next day, which was new year's day is what started my whole journey to, to health. Interesting. Uh, but there's been other times where I'm like, really, I try to contemplate how to be successful with change and I try to plan it out. And I've found that I'm sometimes not as successful as I want to be. It's really hard. And we may have the best intentions because trust me, I've had nights where I'm like, oh, I do not like how I look. And tomorrow I'm going on the diet. And then two days later, I'm eating cookies and donuts and my diet needs to start tomorrow. So it is hard to, even when you have that intrinsic motivation to really stick to it and commit to it. And even if it is a big life change, like, uh, am I going to change my careers? Do you, and I wonder for our listeners to ask them too, are you the type of person that can sometimes weigh the pros and cons? I I absolutely am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, especially if it is a, like a big, like a job change decision. Um, you know, some of the things like decisions to change, um, the, the pros and cons aren't so much of a big deal because obviously when I get to that point, it's a pain point. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. like I'm here because I know I need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I actually find those decisions and sticking with those decisions harder than like, okay, I'm going to weigh out the pros and cons of a new job or the pros and cons of, am I in the right church pros and cons of like, Oh, you know, do I want to train for a half marathon? Uh, those sorts of things. How about yeah. you? Uh, yeah, I, I think it definitely depends upon the situation just like you, but I do find myself when I get really stuck weighing the pros and cons, suddenly I'm asking for everyone's opinion mm-hmm. or I can't make up my mind and I can become indecisive. So I hope what people understand from this first part of this conversation is that making a change can be very hard. It can be complicated and there's a lot of going back and forth in our minds, sometimes with ourselves, sometimes with others about making a change change in our lives and making a decision to make the change. So that brings us to the bulk of this podcast, Robin, where we're going to talk about what we can do about it. And I actually heard this idea on a very well mind podcast. And so Mm -hmm. if people want to go listen, we can link the episode because I'm totally stealing their topic idea. But William Miller, who has a PhD, is a clinical psychologist and a professor of psychology and psychiatry at the University of Mexico. He's also the co-founder of Motivational Interviewing, a strategy therapists use to help people deal with the ambivalence they feel about change. He's the author of many books, including his most recent book on second thought, which explores the subject of ambivalence. 
So I'm, I'm literally reading from the show notes of that episode, but I say that to give a little bit of background because the strategies that I heard from that podcast is what I'm going to share today. And if you want to go listen to him on a Very Well Mind podcast and learn a little bit more, you can do that. But what I just read about the, um, the motivational interviewing was something that I had never heard before as a way to help deal with people in their indecisiveness. Have you heard about this? No, not at all. In fact, whenever you were like, I want to, I want to podcast about motivational interview. I'm like, okay, girl, like I'm going to (laughs) be right there with our listeners because I got nothing. I got nothing. So, but you've convinced me that it's a really interesting topic and that it could potentially really be helpful for those of us who struggle with perfectionism and making that right choice, that perfect choice. And Yeah, expectations for everything to be perfect. And I do recommend that people go listen to that podcast after this as well, because he actually talks about how perfectionism is such a barrier to trying to make a change and how a lot of times if you're really indecisive, you also deal with perfectionism. But what Dr. Miller uh, talks about in this podcast, too, is that we all have this committee in our head, right? Like we have the committees that are telling us to do something and to not, right? And so when he's talking about decisiveness and decision-making to make a change, he was talking about it from their perspective of, Robin, maybe I think you need to make a change in your life. And so what's the typical thing that I would do, right? Like give you advice. You're saying, oh, I'm thinking about potentially running this half marathon. And I'm like, well, I think you should do this or do that. How does that work for all of us? Anytime we're trying to convince our spouse to make a change, our boyfriend or girlfriend, our friends, how does that generally work out? Yeah. Well, anytime anyone shoulds on you. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But that's what our natural inclination is to do. We want to help. We want Mm -hmm. to fix. We -hmm. want to motivate somebody to make a change. And then it backfires. They actually... The science shows that they tend to do the exact opposite when we try and give someone advice or motivate them. So this strategy, motivational interviewing, is a strategy you can use when someone is saying they want to make a change in their life to actually get them to commit to that change. Okay. Yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. At least I understand the definition. (laughs) Yes. Well, I'll go ahead and read a definition for our listeners. Okay, so I'll read a few different definitions. This one's from Psychology Today. So motivational interviewing is often used to address addiction and management of physical health conditions. This intervention helps people become motivated to change the behaviors that are preventing them from making healthier choices. It can also prepare individuals for further, more specific types of therapies. Research has shown that this intervention works well with individuals who start off unmotivated or unprepared for change. It is less useful for those who are already motivated to change. Well, that's not usually the problem. Usually we need to help motivate. It's also appropriate for people who are angry and hostile. Okay, great note. (laughs) They may not be ready to commit to change, but motivational interviewing can help them move through the emotional changes changes necessary for finding their motivation. Right? Wow. Which makes sense because when, okay. when you think about change, it does come in those stages. So are you feeling pretty good about what the definition is? I think so. I think it, it's also for me, as we were talking earlier and you were talking about ambivalence, mm-hmm. 
um, just, I was like, what does that really mean? So I did do a quick little Google search. Just if anyone else was like, I don't really know if I'm ambivalent, but if you're ambivalent about something, your feelings about it are contradictory or mixed. So mm -hmm. you kind of, I guess you see both sides and you feel stuck because you can't really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, if that's worth, worth noting. That is worth noting. And according to motivationalinterviewing.org, these principles really work well for people who have the ambivalence that's high. So they have the mixed feelings. They feel stuck about change. Maybe their confidence is low. They doubt their ability to change or their desire is low. They feel uncertain whether or not they want to make a change or they feel like their importance is low and the benefits well, of change. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think you one of those bullet points hit the nail on the head is that I'll speak for myself. Like when I am resistant to change, it's typically because I think I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So then I just don't try. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm alone in that. And you start thinking of all the reasons why you can't do it, right? Like you were mm -hmm. saying, and those yeah. really outweigh the reasons why maybe you could. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I, it's too hard. Yeah. Which means I don't really have enough motivation. Yeah. <laughs> Lack the proper motivation, probably. So now that we know the proper definition of motivational interviewing, let's get to the technique. Like how can our listeners actually use this in their real everyday lives when they're dealing with their husband who said he's going to do something for the 50th time and then he never did it? How does this work? <laughs> Yeah. Because this is frustrating. I feel like this is very real life. So in, when you are talking with this person, whoever it is, that's maybe having these feelings, their confidence is low, maybe they're ambivalent. So let's say that you have someone that says, hey, I want to start therapy because I've realized I have extreme anxiety and I need to go to therapy, but maybe they haven't done it yet. And so instead of lecturing them and saying, here are the different reasons why I think that you are highly anxious and it's destroying your life and you need to go to therapy. <laughs> Yeah. You get curious, right? That's step number one. Get curious and start asking them questions. So you would say, oh, okay, that's really interesting. Like, how would you go about doing that? That would be a question you could ask. What would that yeah. look like? Okay. So if I'm understanding you correctly, like someone finally comes to the point where they have a conversation and they say, you know, I'm thinking I need, I need whatever. I need mm -hmm. therapy. I need help to stop drinking. I need, I need help with anger management instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is what I would say. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you've come to that <laughs> conclusion. You know, how can I help you find a resource for that? That's how I, yeah. So, so like wind that back in Robin, what motivational interviewing would, would say is no, like instead of me inserting myself into the conversation, help that person kind of thread, um, tease that out. Like, yes, exactly. Okay. Because if we go back to the committee, we have these committees in our head, the committee that's telling us don't change and the committee that's telling us do change. Mm -hmm. If you just say, oh, that's great. Yeah, what are we gonna do? Like, I'm, I'm gonna help find these resources. Our natural inclination is to go more towards the, I'm not going to change. What you are doing is you are literally having them say out loud, voice that voice to themselves, the reasons why they want to change. And in that process, they are convincing themselves of why they can do it. Mm. 
and why they are going to do it. So instead of you trying to say, oh, I think that would be really great um, if you went and got the therapy because you would be less anxious at home, you would maybe, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. they are the ones that are voicing that they're giving you that action plan. Mm. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. And I also know that, and I don't have the number right off the top of my head, but that if you, if you get someone to make a commitment out loud, mm-hmm. I think it's like something like they're four times more likely to actually do it. <clears throat> yeah. So they're probably more successful if you can help them come up with their why and their how and what that would look like and how, how would they would be successful, like help them develop those strategies as opposed to, Oh, thank God. You finally figured out you need help. Let me help you. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And it sounds simple when you hear it like that. But the first time that I heard this explained on this podcast, I was like, this is huge because one, I know I have problems making decisions sometimes. So this is something I can use for when I'm on the fence or trying to think through the negative instead of the positive. But now it gives you the tools as a friend or as whatever your situa- situation may mm-hmm. be to help people who are struggling to make change in their lives. Well, and when you go back to what you said at the beginning of the science behind, um, if you tell people that that they should do something, I'm using that should word, right? Yeah. That the science is, is that they won't. I know. Which it's like, yeah, that, that seems right. <laughs> well, you know, you're in a very serious relationship. Surely you see that at work and some of the nuances. <laughs> it has uh, happened before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it has happened before a year too, after 27 years. Like it's almost, uh, so when you say that I, I can identify with even some behaviors where I just kind of dig in. It's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to change. I was thinking about change, but now that you yeah. know, like, <laughs> do you remember the story of um, before I decided to become healthier? I was like going up and down the stairs and getting winded. Yeah. And Tom, Tom said to me, I just think you'd feel better if you lost a little weight. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, like, screw oh, you. You think I would feel better, do you? <laughs> so I just use that as an example of, you know, if the conversation, and I'm not, I'm not um, trying to speak negatively of him because I think that what you're saying on this podcast is like, we don't know any different. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you know, for him to say, I think you'd feel better about yourself if, if you were healthier is totally reasonable. It just didn't work. It did not motivate me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'll give you one more tip for how to use motivational interviewing in these moments, in these conversations. So the okay. getting the curious, the asking the questions, the who, what, when, where, why, how would they actually go about making these change and having them voice it themselves. That's the first step. The second one is putting something on a scale. So if I said, okay, Robin, you want to make this change? Zero is I don't want to make it at all. 10 is this is the most important thing in my life right now. And I want to make this change. Where are you on that scale? <laughs> So zero or 10 is rock bottom is what I'm seeing. 10 is like, I really, really, yeah, I really want to make this. Like, this is the most important thing to me. I need to make this change. Yeah. And usually that happens when people are at rock bottom. It's like when they have their life is falling apart. Yeah. 
Okay. So the question is what, again, sorry, where am I at on that scale? Yeah. So you would decide where you are in the scale, whatever it is that your decision you're trying to make, where are you from zero to 10 and you decide. So again, we talk about what's our natural inclination, although sometimes wrong. We say, well, you're, let's say you're at a six. I'd say, Mm -hmm. well, why aren't you at a 10? Right. That's doing the exact same thing as trying to lecture you. You're immediately going to go to all the reasons why you don't want to make the change. So instead, what you should do is let's say, you know, Rachel, I think I would say I'm about a six. I'd be like, okay, well, why aren't you a zero? And then again, you start giving the reasons of why you want to make the change. Okay. So, so I, yeah, just making someone stop and say really how on a scale of zero to 10, how motivated are you? Yes. And then having them teach back to you why they're, why they're a six, why aren't they a two? So why are they not less motivated? Why are they not more motivated? Exactly. And so the goal of doing that again would probably to increase the motivation and help them be more successful in making a change. And they are the ones that's increasing their own motivation. So Mm. a lot of times there's a saying like, you can't help somebody change until they're ready. Only Mm -hmm. they're going to be the ones. But what this doctor, Dr. William Miller argues is that, yes, you can. And you can do that through motivational interviewing and that you can help people along in their journey to change. That's what therapists are for, right? Like it can be done. It's just the way we go about doing it. So very interesting. Yes. I I think about one thing that my counselor has told me um, no less than a hundred times in relation to my kids Uh as uh, I can't care about something more than they do, Mm -hmm. but using these techniques, perhaps I could help them care about them more. Yeah. So let's hope Madison's not listening. I know she listens. (laughs) Cause she's going to say, I know what you're doing. I'm talking more about Matthew and like, you know, before he, yeah, when he was a teenager, he was, it's funny, he's going to be a teacher because when he was a teenager, like he was so smart, but he would would do his homework or wouldn't turn it in or, Uh you know, and even as like, as in this state of the game, like I, I try to tell myself all the time, I can't care more about his medication and his labs than he does. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's so hard. Yeah. So if I, if, if I could, if I could talk about, to him about that, using some of these techniques, I would be really interested to see if that's a more fruitful conversation. I know. Now you're going to have to report back and let me know if it helped at all. <laughs> okay, I will. And, and I appreciate you taking it on to, to help me understand motivational interviewing. And uh, it's ter- certainly been helpful. Give me something to think about. So thanks for taking the load today. Of course. And for all of our listeners, hopefully this was something that was just as exciting for you as it was for me to learn about. We will link that episode in the show notes. So if you want to actually learn from William Miller himself, who's the psychologist and professor of psychology and psychiatry at the University of Mexico, you can do that. And then if you really want to learn more about motivational interviewing and really dive into this topic, then read his book on second thought. Okay. And we'll link all those resources. Mm -hmm. So people want to go deeper. Also, before we go today, I just want to say that February 26th, we'll be here before we know it. So for all of our Columbia listeners, Mm -hmm. 
right? You're shaking your head no. I didn't mean to. It just was like, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. So February 26th, we'll be here before we know it. So for all of our Columbia listeners, uh, please come or consider coming to Fitness for a Cure. It's uh, an event hosted by Wilson's Fitness, where I do teach group fitness. And it's uh, an all-day fundraiser. So you'll get to come and we'll have seven different classes that you can do. So you can come for a marathon day. You can come for a couple of classes, whatever floats your boat, but more importantly, come and see Rachel and I, because we're a sponsor of the event because we believe that it, it aligns so well with our platform of holistic health and making changes in our lives. So come out and support a great cause and visit with us. Yeah, we'll be there. And we're doing a giveaway. So you definitely want to come. That's right. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We're honored that you're sharing your day with us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. That way you get a notification when new episodes are released. And hey, we'd love for you to share this podcast with your friends and family. So make sure you do that. And remember, whatever you're going through, there's always enough grace for you today. So be sure to give it to yourself.